to all Venn alumni and friends. This is Julia and Sam Bloor welcoming you to Venn Lockdown Radio. I want to break free. Yes, well, I don't think it's lockdown that Queen were talking about breaking free from, but they could have been because the novelty has worn off and Mm -hmm. this is starting to feel... Like Groundhog Day. Just a little bit Groundhog Day. He's stuck. In Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. A little bit same, same, a little bit Groundhog Week actually. Totally. Has anything happened to break the monotony this week? Actually, I'm struggling to think of much stuff. I was commenting to a friend this week, but that I'm experiencing deja vu more often. And I guess that happens (laughs) when you're doing the same old stuff, you're going to be getting a bit of deja vu. I'm experiencing deja vu more often. I'm experiencing deja vu more often. One thing I did do this week was I recorded a sermon for St. Paul's, and I've got to say, it is a weird experience to be preaching to your laptop. And so spare a thought for for pastors, for church leaders, men and women up and down the country who are all of a sudden having to be not just pastors and preachers, but they're having to be like almost TV like presenters. TV presenters. That's mm. right. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? It makes me super glad that we're just doing this audio only. (laughs) Totally. The other thing that broke the monotony this week is that we have got a new baby on star. We sure do. Yay! Luke and Liv Fennec welcomed little baby Jude. (laughs) Sorry, my apologies. I'm not sure why it keeps doing that. Uh, Try this instead. Another very good reason, alongside the engagement we had earlier to pop a champagne cork. Luke, if I could have captured the sound of a cigar being smoked, I would have put that into the program as you welcome little Jude. And he's not that little, actually. He's a decent-sized little little one. <laughs> Decent size, yeah. So, hey, lots of love going out to you guys and uh, really looking forward to meeting Yeah, we can't Jude wait for lockdown to be over so we can we have can. a cuddle. So, who are we talking to on the show today? Well, we're not talking to Luke and Liv. We're going to give them a little bit of space. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, We are going to be chatting with Nathan in a moment. And then after that, we are headed to Charles and Emma Belcher's house. Well, not actually. We aren't able to visit them. We are are sticking to the rules, guys. We are sticking to the rules. We are chatting to them. um, So looking forward to that. We're going to be talking to Tessa Simpson down in Wellington. Yep. And then actually keeping with the geographical location going to be chatting with John Dennison really looking forward to talking to him not just about a couple of the pieces that he's written one coming up what family life's been like down there and also just how things are on the ground in Wellington great okay well let's kick this off and see how Nathan's doing hey Nathan hi Julia how are you good thank you how are you guys going we're doing well thank you hey Nathan, you wear a lot of hats. Jules asking about the family there. So there's obviously husband and dad hat. There's the theologian hat. A lot of people will know, but maybe not everyone listening. You've also got an economist's hat. So your first job was in the New Zealand Treasury. That's right. Yeah, I was there from 99 to 2006. And then after that, a little bit of time as an economic consultant. So, yep, uh, economist and in a way, you never stop wearing that hat. Once an economist, always an economist. Yeah, I imagine you can't <laughs> stop sort of seeing stuff. And as we move from, I guess, the the medical emergency or, or responding medically to this and the sort of health crisis that had to be averted, and I think New Zealand has done that, you must in particular be interested in everyone's attention now shifting to the economic yeah, I mean, I think from from the beginning, I've been very conscious that not only is this a public health issue, but it's going to flow very quickly into uh, the economic realm and then obviously into what that means for us socially as well. And so as we've been thinking about our work here at Ben, we've not only been thinking about the short-term response in terms of public health, but how this flows out into the economy And I'm very conscious that uh, we've got a lot of people in our community who are going to be affected in various ways by 
um, the impact of lockdown and then continued um, measures around um, physical distancing for the next little while. Mm. So I've been thinking about that. Um, I've been encouraging the team to think about that. And as we move forward, uh, I'm hoping that some of the work that we're going to do will actually address that and help to support the community as we do face what I think is significant economic and social disruption at a level I would say I've probably never seen in my own life. Mm. And I'm not sure even my parents have, have seen this as well. So as best I'm able, I want to be um, helping the team, but also the wider VEN community and friends of VEN to navigate this well um, at this time. As we're moving out of level four and into level three, um, this is VEN Lockdown Radio. What's going to be happening with VEN Lockdown Radio and with the Common Ground? We've had an overwhelming uh, wave of feedback saying how much people have appreciated both Common Ground and Lockdown Radio. With Lockdown Radio in particular, I think people have loved just hearing the stories from the wider VEN community and from VEN friends. And I think that's given a real sense of connection. And then I think with Common Ground, people have appreciated the thoughtful and practical nature of the resources the articles, uh, the reflective pieces, and the the artwork and poetry that we've been providing people. And we've been listening to that feedback. And so we want to continue doing this. Uh, so as we move into Alert Level 3, what we're going to do is we're going to move both Lockdown Radio and Common Ground from weekly to fortnightly. So look out for that change. Oh, mate, I'm so relieved to hear you say that. I haven't slept for the last month, so that'll be a welcome move from <laughs> weekly to fortnightly. Oh, come on, mate. Let's be honest. You've enjoyed it. Um, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I dream about garage band. That's what <laughs> I now dream in garage band language. Uh, it's, so, it's so good. It's so good. We've really enjoyed listening to it here and... Um, I know the wider community has as well. I find myself hitting control T to try and trim some of Jules's conversations. I knew, I knew that there was a joke <laughs> like that coming. So predictable. <laughs> you guys have a lot of power actually with this. I've, I've recognised that you can do a fair bit of editing. So <laughs> you can make me say things that I never actually wanted to say. Oh, we can. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Nathan. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Sam. Take care. Charles and Emma Belcher are a couple of fellowship alumni who have become a fellowship alumni couple. Charles did the fellowship in... Not that recently. No, not that recently. But in 2008, I think, Charles did the um, internship in those days. And three years later, Emma did it with his younger brother. And uh, and so then Charles and Emma met and they fell in love. How about we get them to tell their life story, right? Welcome, guys. (laughs) Hey, Hi. good to be here. <laughs> you on. Before Jules tells your entire life story for you, we'll give you a crack at uh, remembering it. What have you guys been up to since you came through the program? Basically making babies. There was a wedding in there somewhere too, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wedding first got it out of the way um, about a year later. Um, after, yeah. after the fellowship. After not the fellowship. After the <laughs> <laughs> not after the children. Um, <laughs> this is going really well, actually. This is one of our best interviews. Yeah, so we've got three wonderful children, six, two, and six months. Wow. Awesome. Um, I, maybe I'll say what I've done. Yeah. Charles can say what he has done. So I went on and did an honours and a master's degree in philosophy and currently just trying to finish oh. off a postgrad dip in theology and um, I have mainly been at home full-time so it's been quite full I do very part-time work as an honorary chaplain at Auckland University and work for an organization called New Zealand Christians and Science which is based out of the chapel so just five hours a week you know in nap times and evenings um, as we try and juggle family life. What's that look like in uh, in lockdown for you guys? Yeah, so I'd say in lockdown now, 
the reality is I'm I'm on children, so my days are three, keeping three little people alive, intact, and loving each other by the end of the day. You get um, them loving each other? Well, you know. <laughs> no, not even close. No. I get them loving each other, like, right before bedtime, but for the day, <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, so I would be on kids, so one school age, we try really hard to do school. Um, you can't see my quotation marks, but I'm doing quotation marks for school, but it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's really challenging. So I think it's challenging because you've got two other little ones. So, and because our six-year-old is, she's young, she's only been at school for a year, um, needs a lot of input. So we do what we can. We try and incorporate the others, but um, just there's really no pressure there. But it's, it's too hard to add the pressure and she really feels the pressure. So um, we kind of just go by her, her leading. And then otherwise we're just trying to do family life. At home really yeah we um we started yeah I, I try and start work about 8 30 sometimes it's a little bit earlier depending on when i've got calls so i can try and have some semblance of a morning with the kids um because i'm i'm pretty you know pretty much locked in my bedroom with uh with my desk in there for most of the day um and then we'll come out and do sort of evening routine with the kids from about 5 five thirty. so yeah but it's tough you know the kids largely respect the doors closed ads at work sort of rule but um it's not it's definitely not soundproof <laughs> definitely not soundproof and it's been tough on emma because having three kids and one of them being particularly young is um it's not easy and i haven't been out to be as available i'd say my introverted self is probably struggling the most just the yes. not even one minute kind of a day to yourself is quite hard not until your time and then even then it's you know Touch or go, you know. Um, but they actually don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we actually just got the baby down before this interview. So, yeah, definitely yeah. have. I have a lot of like just breathe, Emma moments. I kind of go into myself, take a few deep breaths, um, hide in the cupboard. <laughs> literally. literally. Well, actually, <laughs> the, actually, the back. I sometimes run to the toilet and lock it. Yeah, I, I, I have um, several times told my children that I'm putting myself in time out. Unfortunately, <laughs> Sam's using our bedroom as an office at the moment, so I can't do that either. It is no. really full on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things we found is that we've had to prioritise Emma being able to go for a 45-minute walk just on her own um, at some point, um, trying, to, trying to make that in the mornings early. Yeah, um, with, the, with the baby. Just to give some some sanity in a yeah. if it's a good night then i try and go before with take the baby um before charles goes to work for the day mm -hmm. and so charles speaking of you going to work for the day what is it that you've been up to since you did the internship uh yes yeah, so i uh i was investment banking when i was um uh, doing the internship and just after um and and that's when Emma married me under false pretenses um, and uh, <laughs> I um, then transitioned to hospitality almost immediately after getting married um, where I worked. Um, I thought I was getting a house in Hearn Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey I married I married a doctor who went who then went into ministry. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then I moved into uh, working at the Better Bar Company um, uh, for a period before that was sold and then started working at Maestro Cafes, which I'm still involved in, which um, owns and operates Only Hunger Cafe, Greenwood's Cafe, Corner Burger, um, and a cafe in Wellington called Verve. So I did that for a few years um, before I was involved in acquiring Starbucks in New Zealand off restaurant brands, um, and I've been... Uh, running that for the last uh, year and a half now. So wow. we're actually coming up on two years. Yeah, and well, we should mention sort of in, in passing, you, you've been on the Venn board for a number of years um, too, true. haven't you, Charles? Yeah. yeah, actually, since the beginning, I was on the Compass board, which then became Venn, so from the from the start. Yeah, yeah. we're OG groupies. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, one of the... One of the transitions we're noticing um, in the media, um, and we're we're sort of tracking with this too in terms of the Venn community, is the the change from the focus on the medical aspect of of COVID nineteen, um, which is very much front and centre for everyone. It's kind of like keeping each other safe, and you know this whole the whole team of New Zealand 
pulling together to make this happen. Now you're very much seeing the focus change towards the economic impact of this. And so we were so thrilled to have you guys come on this week because, you know, hospitality is one of the areas where people are talking about this having a massive impact. Tell us a little bit about that, maybe from a Starbucks perspective and then perhaps more broadly, just the, the sense you're getting within hospitality. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll start with the hospitality sense first. But I th- yeah, I think um, it this it's really like devastating on businesses, actually. So if you think about any hospitality business, Starbucks or just a local cafe, you don't plan for revenue going to zero overnight. Um, and typically the way hospitality businesses work, uh, you pay me for your coffee and I'll pay suppliers 20th of the month after, which is usually a pretty nice nice way to have things. But when the revenue tap turns off, you've got to pay all the suppliers for the last couple of months. Um, you've got rent, the expenses don't go away. You've obviously got your employees that you're looking to take to look after. You've got to throw away a lot of stock. And, um, and, and then if you've got any money left over, you're going to have to use that to get back started again. Um, and I think that's where you're going to see a lot of smaller hospitality groups uh, or businesses, the local cafe struggle is that they will have struggled to pay their suppliers um, and their rent over this lockdown period. And then they're gonna have to go back to those same suppliers and landlords and say, hey, we wanna start up again. Can you send us some some goods? And they're gonna go, well, we haven't got money from the last one if those suppliers are still there. So the economic impact is huge and there's, so much uncertainty you know a lot of people won't be able to operate or if they can under level three it'll be extremely limit limited revenue um and then and then the market's going to be very different tourism's gone for the foreseeable future which is a big driver in hospitality um you know people i think are going to be conscious of their wallets so um you know spending will be interesting some people may still be concerned about um health and going to public places so i think it's just a lot of uncertainty and so tell us a little bit more specifically around sort of Starbucks, you know, your, your people, how is that going in terms of um, keeping track on, on how they're doing? Yeah, um, I think we've been pretty blessed, the position we found ourselves in at Starbucks. I think we've gone into it very well. We had a very good year last year. Um, and uh, so we've really seen this as an opportunity um, as well. Um, so we've done a lot of engagement um, on our internal Facebook page. We've had Mike King talking about mental health. We've had um, people coming and doing fitness classes. We've done um, coffee knowledge um, sessions. Uh, we've looked at how we can do people development online through this time. So that's sort of been one thing. Um, and we've also really tried to prioritize um, those that are most affected. So the leadership team support office have taken a wage reduction um, down to 80%. And um, at this stage, we've maintained paying our store level partners, um, which is what we call our employees, um, at 100%. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be challenging. Um, you know, we don't know what the future is going to hold. So I'm not saying that we're going to be able to do that forever. Um, but we've really tried to look at how we limit the impact um, and seeing how, yeah, we can be good to our people as a first as a first step. Awesome. Andre Muller, who's on staff with us here at Venn, uh, has done a feature article a few weeks ago on one of his blog pieces, actually. He talked about one of the best things Kiwis can do when this starts to lift is to go out and make those little spends at local business. And we're hoping that there will be a bit of a, a sort of an almost buy local. I can imagine hospitality definitely being at the forefront of that sort of impetus. Yeah, oh, look, I think um, where you can, that is uh, is going to be a massive help. Um, it's uh, the, getting that kickstart going. If people start to see and gain confidence in the economy, again, that is going to be hugely helpful. So I would, um, I definitely recommend doing that and trying to support local cafes. But but even, you know, um, <laughs> and we've got the Maestro experience with Only Home Cafe, et cetera, and, and definitely going to be grateful there. But also with places like Starbucks, they, they still, you know, we've got 300 um, odd people uh, working for us there. And, you know, um, if you're coming in to buy a Frappuccino, that's helping, uh, helping those guys as well. Yeah. Hey, Emma, are you managing to get any of your work done at home? In all honesty, no. I think, you know, I try to steal five minutes here and there. But um, 
No, and I think the pe- people on my end are really understanding and they know I've got three very small children at home. So that is my priority. I can't kind of say, oh, guys, I'll see you in a couple of hours. Um, they need to be fed and their nappies need to be changed. So, no, it's, it's really, really tricky. So I, I will, you know, try and do some at night um, in the nap times, but not really because I have one that doesn't nap. So, no, the reality is, and I was messaging my sister today saying actually I don't think you can have two parents working in lockdown and you know unless you can kind of share it 50 50 but Charles's workload is pretty massive at the moment that Mm. there really isn't there's not room for two parents working Um, and I can only imagine the incredible stress where there are two people parents at home that have to work with children our age it's just I I feel like it's impossible yeah Yeah. Hey, thank you guys so much for taking the time to share with us and to be honest with us about how things are going. It's really nice to be talking to you. Nice to talk to people outside of our bubble. (laughs) Remember life, life outside. Life life does exist outside. (laughs) Yeah, forgot. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you guys. See you. Oh, I love chatting with those guys. They're so honest about the difficulties of yes. this season and yeah. how hard it actually is. But they talk about it with still quite a positivity. Yeah, Charles was saying to me earlier that there's just no rule book for this. There's no, no. rule book for business. They're having to make it up as they go along. There's no rule book really for the, the government. No one's had to face this kind of thing before. They're, they're kind of making up as they're going along. With totally. A lot of advice, obviously. But there's not like you can sort of turn to chapter 10 of the rule book. No, exactly. And same with families. We're making this up as we go. We've got no no rule book, no guidelines as to how to do lockdown in 2020 with all of your children at home, you know. And trying to work, sometimes both of you. Trying to work, sometimes both of you trying to work. This is difficult. But just thinking about this, I was talking to Emma again earlier on and talking about how kids can sometimes make you feel like you're just never, ever doing enough. Like, I get quite a few comments um, from one child in particular. Things like, you never do puzzles with me. You never play with me. And it's it makes you feel terrible. But I was saying this to Emma and telling her that I've tried to kind of like actually bring some reality into it. And at nighttime, at bedtime, I say, hey, hey what was your favourite thing that you did with mummy today? Was it baking the cookies? Or was it doing that princess puzzle? Or was it reading the cat in the hat? And just try to have the the um, the unnamed child <laughs> go to sleep, remembering that actually she did spend some time with me today. But Emma said to me, oh, I totally get that as well. It's like, don't you like playing with me? Which is horrible. But Emma was saying, yes, I do. And I do play with you, but there's a hole in your bucket. And the more I put in, the more pours out the bottom. I thought, oh gosh, that's so true. I'm glad I'm not the only one. There's a hole in my bucket. There lies her, there lies her. There's a hole in my bucket. There lies her a hole. Hey, speaking of kids, you asked some of the Ven kids if they would pray. I did, indeed. Have a listen to this. Dear Lord, please protect the Venn people from coronavirus and may you be with them. God, can you please help everybody during COVID-19? Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone in lockdown. I pray for the world's leaders. Um, that you would give them wisdom for Jacinda Ardern, that she would make great decisions for our country, New Zealand. I pray that you can help the world in these times which are tough because of coronavirus. Dear God, thank you for all the nurses and doctors to help the people get better quickly. I also pray for the Venn alumni. I pray that you will help the Venn alumni which are having trouble meeting physically. I pray for the Venn people and everyone else. I pray that they don't get lonely and during lockdown. Thank you for 
God. Helping my family. I hope you heal people and look after them. Thank you, God, for all of the um, birds, trees, rainbows and skies. I pray that you would help the all people who are scared of coronavirus because they can know they can die. And dear God, help you for all the people who are stuck in their home and can't play anything. COVID-19 goes away and I'm in. Lord, hear my prayer. Amen. Lord, hear my prayer. Amen. 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 What do you say at the end of a prayer? Done. <laughs> it's great to be joined now by Tessa Simpson from Wellington. Tessa works for the Crown Law Office, but came to know us at Venn through the VVP down in Wellington. Great to have you with us, Tessa. Good to be here. Hey Tessa, how did you get connected in with Venn? What was it that made you decide to do the VVP? Mm, good question. I um, had been going along to some of the um, space evenings in, in Wellington, um, but it was mostly through um, some connections with John Dennison, who's been um, largely running the Wellington Venn scene. Um, I go to church with John, um, so he had um, kind of been a, a bit of a push, I guess, to do the program. Um, so yeah, my husband and I signed up um, with a few others from our church as well. Um, yeah, and the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. And you've stayed connected with Venn, so I'm taking it that you enjoyed the vocational program? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, For me, Venn has kind of largely been um, the main uh, source for, I guess, my, my thinking of um, kind of whole of life stuff. It's been... Um, yeah, we're connected with um, a really great church um, in Wellington, but um, the I sort of found for me then was kind of filling a bit of a gap um, in some kind of thinking about wise, wise living in my career, which uh, was really, um, yeah, has been a really valuable thing for me. Mm. And so you're working at the Crown Law Office now, Tessa. Tell us a little bit about your journey to there. What have, what, what's sort of the shape that your career has taken so far? Yeah, I um, so I'm a, a lawyer. I studied um, law um, at Victoria Uni, and then um, after uni did a, a kind of summer internship at the Waitangi Tribunal, um, and did a couple of um, years of uh, what they call judges clerking after that. So um, doing a whole lot of research for um, the judges who serviced the Waitangi Tribunal and the Māori Land Court. Um, and then uh, it was actually at that point that um, my husband and I did the VVP. Um, and um, I guess for me, it was quite a uh, kind of career uh, defining thing. Um, I kind of was at the point of not being sure if I wanted to actually become a lawyer or not. Um, and uh, in the end, I obviously decided I would, and I've now ended up at um, the Crown Law Office. Um, and yeah, so I'm kind of training in uh, litigation largely, um, so I'm learning how to be a court lawyer, um, and uh, yeah, it's a really, really awesome place to be. Now, I must confess, I didn't Google you specifically, Tessa, but I did have to kind of refresh my memory and learn a little bit about the Crown Law Office. I was aware yeah. that they were involved in some criminal cases, but there are five mm -hmm. different departments in that. I mean, maybe I'm the only listener that needs to hear it again, but do you want to just give us a, a sort of a crash course in the Crown Law Office? Sure. Um, yeah, that's a, a common experience, Sam. There's a, a lot of people, even within government, who don't really understand what we do. Um, I sort of describe it as um, it's like the government's central law firm. Um, so we run most of um, the litigation that relates to government. So anytime someone sues the government or for criminal stuff, we um, run criminal prosecutions. Um, and then the other kind of part of the job is um, doing a lot of advice for government departments. My, my boss would say that we, um, our job is to help the government to do what they want to do in a lawful way. Um, so we kind of advise on um, the kind of what powers the government has and how they can use them to do what they want to do. 
It was fascinating chatting to you earlier today, Tessa, because your department, you know, the, the Treaty of Waitangi, is probably one where, you know, law is a bit of a last resort or, uh, you know, if, if things have got to the point where the law is involved, then other ways have kind of broken down. And so trying to uphold the spirit of things as well, you were describing to me is, is such an important part of your work there. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, so I work largely in the um, the treaty team, is what we call it. So um, we do anything to do with um, the Treaty of Waitangi or anything that has a kind of Māori element to it. Um, and yeah, absolutely. If if we get to the stage of litigation, it's kind of a sign that relationships aren't working very well. Um, and it's kind of it's the way I see it. The kind of real important part of our job is actually often behind the scenes. Um, we'll be running. Uh, big court cases, but the kind of discussions that we have with people from different government departments in the background about um, the treaty and what the treaty requires the Crown to do and um, how we're doing that or not doing it or how we could do it better, all of that stuff is often the kind of um, the stuff that you can really see some change coming through, um, which is, yeah, quite a cool part of my job. Mm. Hey, what is your COVID bubble looking like? You are, I take it, working from home, set up office at home, and who's who's sharing your bubble with you? Um, so it's just myself and my husband, Mike. Um, so pretty small bubble by comparison to a lot of others at the moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're just um, at our house in Wellington. We have set up a, um, our spare room as an office. Um, it was kind of a good excuse to unpack some boxes. Actually, we moved a few months ago, so um, sort of setting up the home office was a good time to uh, set up an office. And Mike is involved in software engineering, is that right? Uh, yeah, software development. So he um, sort of designs and makes Android apps. Cool. And is your uh, personal tech assistant for this time of uh, <laughs> lockdown? Yeah, he's been a great... Um, IT support when I've needed him. It's been excellent. <laughs> we need one of those. <laughs> we we need we a Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We Mike could have saved me a lot of hours on YouTube. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, how has the nature of uh, the Crown Law Office work changed over this COVID nineteen time, Tessa, and in your work specifically? Mm, my work has uh, mostly stayed the same, really. We are just kind of carrying on business as usual work, um, preparing for cases that will go ahead after um, the lockdown ends. Um, but the office has been doing quite a lot of um, COVID response work, so a lot of um, reviewing uh, briefing papers, going to Cabinet um, and giving advice on the kind of powers that the government has to be doing the things that they're doing. Uh, we sort of um, a bit of a check on... Um, on the government to make sure that what they're doing is kind of appropriate and um, taking good account of people's rights and all of that kind of stuff. So I've sort of been, um, had quite a cool vantage point to watch a lot of that. Um, even if I haven't been doing much of it myself, it's um, been a cool place to be during COVID. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been lovely to chat with you. Cool, no worries. See ya. Well, we've already been talking to one person tonight who wears multiple hats. Nathan was speaking to us as an economist. Um, and we're about to speak to somebody else who wears multiple hats. One of those hats is that he works at Venn. But um, there are a variety of other things that John Dennison is involved with. Hi, John. Hi. It's great to be with you. It's, you know, it's nice to have you here. Can you explain to us a little bit about the different hats that you do wear? So I'm the Wellington Coordinator for Venn and, and a Teaching Fellow. Um, then I also lead uh, the Anglican Chaplaincy at Victoria University, where I've been a chaplain for nearly eight years um, and at the uni before that. So um, that's, that's my other big context. Um, I'm a dad, I'm husband to Yana. We've got three boys and um, write the odd poem. So That's right. That yeah, covers yeah. it off. <laughs> Come to that a little bit. What's uh, what's been going on at home first, John? How's how have uh, three active boys been coping with the the restraints of lockdown? <laughs> they're, they're fine. Um, they're doing okay. Yeah, we've had the old moment of of just just um, feeling blue, feeling a bit down, and had to have a bit of a heart to heart and a chat and get our bearings, but. 
Now they're doing well. Um, one thing that's been key for us is just getting out for our walk um, in the morning. So we have a short time of prayer together as a family and then head out for a walk. Um, and someone each day changes each day, gets to choose where we go. Um, so that's important. Um, yeah, and and it's it's nearly come come rain or shine. It's been pretty good to us the weather so far. But that's that's pretty essential. Um, that and the trampoline. Yeah. Yeah. Any sort of funny moments happening at uh, at home? What what's something that's kind of been? Oh uh, well. Um, so our boys have been getting into exercise, and, and they felt it's important to do this at this time. It's the exercise. <laughs> so. They've, they've been running around the house and I, I got the mower out and um, our section's flat and you can run around the house. So I wound it right down to zero and just kind of shaved a track around the house. Um, and they put out hurdles with the sawhorses and things. So they've been running this, but one of our boys, Emmaus, our 11 year old is in the middle of a massive train craze and railway trains and um so i found myself mowing um the express line and the branch line around <laughs> the multi and so our, our lawn is looking quite um ornate actually we've got these uh, train tracks uh, going yeah. around the yeah i it's great beautiful- it's a good as a good light lad from Tawa should. I mean, the, the, the trains will be part of his future, won't they, John? That's right. But Jeez. I tell you, mowing tracks in your lawn is not a Tawa thing. And I, as I was doing it, there was a, a fellow walking down the street and he, he did about five double takes just trying to work out what was going on. So I don't know what the neighbours think. But, um, yeah, it's good fun. It's good. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it works. works. Works John, for me. You, I find myself walking in the in the train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go for a little jog yourself around yep. the train tracks. Turn yep. into a sort of a, <laughs> I can just picture a, a, it. a labyrinth for a walking prayer, John. Because um, <laughs> yeah, prayer I want to touch on next. You've you've done a couple of pieces for the Common Ground, and you've got one coming up in about a week's time. And really, prayer has kind of been a bit of a theme that runs through all of them. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting times, um, you know, finding ourselves sh- shut in. Um, and the folk have been um, commenting on this and reflecting on it, so I don't want to add to that too much. But it is, it is good conditions, um, whatever else it is, and it's a whole bunch of things, but it is good conditions to learn uh, how to be uh, by ourselves, maybe. Um, and to uh, learn to pray. Um, and, you know, the Lord in Matthew 6, he, he says, when you pray, um, pray privately alone, go into a room, uh, shut the door, um, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and there's, a, there's, there's riches there, there's good things there for you. Um, so that, it's certainly been our experience in lockdown, firstly, as a way of, doing life well um, both for Yana and myself we've found ourselves um, going back to things that we had learned in the past or going further into things that we'd heard others talk about and experimenting in prayer in new ways um, so the, the piece I wrote in Families in Lockdown is a reflection of that finding myself um, just this urge to get up early in the morning when I knew I could be understood going to one of the boys bedrooms actually is the space I've got now and be with the Lord be alone mm. so yeah it's 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 proved to be quite a rich time yeah 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 and the piece you've got coming up is is going to be on lament is that right going to have some aspects of sort of lament and intercession yeah part of it? yeah I think, um, you know, part of it is asking, um, are, we, are we simply helpless in this time? Um, what does it mean to say that Jesus is alive, is our contemporary, that he lives to intercede for us, and that his spirit 
that through his spirit we share in um, this life before God. What does it look like to share in uh, the life of Jesus who intercedes for the world uh, before the Father? And um, so partly it's answering that question. I mean, I've yet to write it and we'll see where we go, but I, I want to just lean in to reflect on what it looks like to come and stand in God's presence and petition him, intercede on behalf of others who need God more than um, we do at the moment. And, and then also lament um, as part of that, is to speak out, um, to name the realities before God and to call on God to be who he is. Mm. that's good hey john what's the vibe around wellington what's happening with the chaplaincy with the students mm. um yeah so just a little bit of context there for victoria university we've got two universities or well, three with the otago medical school but massey and victoria the main unis here and um the Anglican chaplaincy at Victoria is the only Anglican chaplaincy in the country. Um, it works um, independent of the uni, but has a very strong, healthy relationship alongside Victoria. So we occupy an interesting space. We work out of um, uh, an unapologetically Christian confessional base. We're, we're free to do that. Um, and, and we lean in in a posture of blessing what needs to be blessed, sometimes asking awkward questions about what needs to be questioned. In this last season, um, you know, we, we went into lockdown on the, the Wednesday of lockdown. We were moving students into lockdown accommodation and just mm. kind of mucking in with the uni. And that was pretty sobering, to be honest. Um, was to see these international and domestic students um, taken from their halls and gathered into one point and there's you know there's logistical uh, practical good reasons why that's being done but but pretty full-on for them um, yes. to have that upheaval and to um, to go into hall life but not normal hall life um, and most of them are quite young um, yeah. and you know they're, they're able to file through the dining room six or seven at a time and and have bubbles within the hall but they have to stay within those groupings and mm. yeah so we've we've felt um quite burdened by by the need to um come alongside them and um yeah so we're doing what we can on that front which is is not a lot at the moment um other than uh, praying for them which we're doing mm. Um, Victoria's had a long period of no classes, about five weeks, which has presented challenges for undergraduate students who, um, yeah, will have been thrown back onto their own resources and had to make their own fun a little bit. So hmm. seeing a bit of challenge there. Um, yeah, just in the last 10 days, uh, some of the mental health things popping up and people feeling, feeling the pinch and so on. For our, the students who track with us regularly, um, yeah, they're, they're doing well on the whole. And um, so these are folk we'd have discipling relationships with, or they worship with us uh, each week or volunteer with us in some capacity. And a lot of them are doing really well. Um, and we're seeing them practice life together well and you know, forgive one another and bear one another's burdens and um yeah so they're doing okay and uh, my team's doing well yeah really proud of my team just amazing people that's mm. awesome john just to maybe um close with a with a thought of you and with your poetry hat on and i'm not sure i'm going to put this the right way around but um you know probably before meeting you and not having met a whole lot of poets in my life tended to think of something like you know poets being made for crises like this or crises like this being made for poets I'm not quite sure which way around to put that but are you, are you feeling kind of um called to to write at a time like this called to sort of set time aside yes for prayer but but for poetry as well 
I think times like this, when it, it seems like um, questions of mortality and security and certainty are on the line and um, so on, they do seem ripe for the picking for artists. Um, and I, I think if, if on the one hand an artist might feel uneasy about being an artist in this time because shoot it's so urgent how can I justify being an artist and so on that's that's one sort of question there is this pull to to sort of rise to the occasion but it's it's really quite a challenge as to how you do that um I think some of the poets that I've spent quite a bit of time with um W.B. Yeats and uh, Seamus Heaney and poets who squared off against the Irish troubles um, of different generations of 1916 and 1966 and so on. And there are some notable examples of artists who squared off against um, troubled times and, and um, they didn't always make good art. It, it hasn't lasted. Um, so it has a newspaper-like quality to it, that it's, you know, today's news and tomorrow's fish and chip wrapping paper. Um, mm. So there is this difficult question for artists about how, um, as one person or part of a small conversation, you square off against something that's very big. Um, and I think for New Zealand writers and artists, there's this, there's a, certainly for Pākehā, there's a culturally complex question around whether you can use the first person plural, whether you say we. Um, yeah, so art, art in extremis um, is a challenging thing. And I'm feeling the challenge at the moment. Um, I've been working on a longer form poem for um, some time now, many months. Uh, and the ground has shifted underneath me, and I know that what I've written um, can turn and face the moment. I'm not quite sure how. So it, it's quite uncomfortable. I'm just sort of sitting with it. I've got a bit mm. of time tomorrow that I might uh, turn towards that. Um, yeah. So uh, I think the temptation is to think that that. COVID-19 throws everything up in the air and you have to tear up your manuscripts and, and start again. But, you know, as, as Andrew's piece that pointed us back to Lewis's lecture just at yeah. the beginning of our um, Common Ground series reminds us um, uh, things are always, uh, death, death is always near um, in a sense and these questions are always urgent um, and that's always been the job of, of art uh, for one thing is to to make something out of words or pigment or you know and then turn and face some of these urgent questions um, hopefully it will be good for new zealand literature um, mm. what you're just explaining there is very different to how my brain works <laughs> so i i appreciate it yeah yeah Hey, thanks so much for joining us and um, hanging out with us on Venn Lockdown Radio. It's been good to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks Bless so you, much. Mate. Yeah, love yeah. to Yana and the boys. Thank you. Well do. You too. And we're approaching our weekly chat with Olivia Byrne slightly differently this week because, Liv, as well as wearing your hat of pulling all of this together, you've pulled your writing hat on this week. Yes, yes. It's been a, a new week for me, which is um, pretty fun and a bit of a challenge. Yeah, you know, you've been studying, you've been doing work through Otago's Department of yes. Theology. Yeah, that's right. So um, alongside my work at Venn, I'm also doing a graduate diploma in theology um, along the Christian thought and history track. So that's been a wonderful experience. I've got to know some of the great faculty down at Otago one of whom is on the board at Venn, Murray Ray. Um, and this semester I'm doing a biblical studies paper, look, which is called Interpreting the Old Testament. And that's just been awesome. It's just been so interesting to learn more about the Jewish faith and uh, kind of where, how they would have read the Torah and how they would have understood 
God and scripture and themselves within that. Um, yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience. And that does sound good. Yeah, and it was last semester that you did a paper uh, that included some of Bonhoeffer's work, and that's what's kind of informing your piece this week. Yes, that's right. Uh, it was about it was actually a year ago. Um, I did a a paper with Professor Chris Holmes, and um, we one of my assignments was to read Life Together in a book by Karl Barth and kind of compare and contrast. And um, so then for this this week, the common ground is themed around this idea of community and service. And so with that in mind, we thought it'd be a good idea for me to draw back on some of that knowledge and write a reflection on life together and what it might look like for our, our lives here in the 21st century in lockdown with um, living together in close proximity with one another and some of the challenges and um, spiritual growth that can actually come from that. Um, so that's a, that's a good opportunity to really um, test my learning. Yeah, just <laughs> test the remembering of it too. Exactly. exactly. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> and what else is coming up in the common ground? Yeah, so kind of on that theme of community and service, we've got um, Nathan's writing a piece on um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, we're also getting some voices from some of our um, adjunct teaching fellows. So Alistair right. Reese has written this week's staff note. Um, we're getting Hannah Chapman, she's going to be writing a piece on service for our right. weekly practice piece. Right. Um, we've also got a cool, um, for our families in lockdown column, we've been getting a lot of voices from parents um, of, who have young children or people living with young children. But for this week, we decided to go to Lucy Collingwood, who's in a yes. flatting situation, yes. which is what a lot of our alumni are experiencing at the moment. Yeah, so, so she's just kind of writing a little bit about what her experience has been in with her flatmates and what lockdown looks like for her. Um, right. Yeah, so we've also got uh, one of our alumni, Natalie Duchesne, who's um, contributed an art piece reflecting on community and like a theological understanding of it. And uh, we also have, once again, our alumni interview with um, Nehana Rehana, who was at summer conference this year. Um, so going to be a rich a rich edition again great great wow i'm looking forward to that yeah it's you gonna better, be a good one you better sign off and start writing that is actually the night's task so yes <laughs> i will be doing that thanks so much we'll talk to you again next week thanks guys see you later sam jules thank you for joining us for another program of ven lockdown radio before we go, just a reminder that Anzac Day is only a couple of days away, so we thought we'd go out with something just to remind us of that. If you're looking for a good place for content, I know the Māori Channel is going to have programming from 6.30 in the morning right through the day. You might want to tune in for some of that. We'll see you next time.